Hello, everyone. It's Thursday today, and you know what that means. It's the Thursday Collective. Well, today we have a collective of just two. I'm joined today by my friend, Amanda Maxim. Hey, Amanda, how's it going? Hey, Nicholas. Uh, honestly, I'm a little, I'm feeling a little unfocused and unsettled. I think I might be nervous to be here. Nervous? Well, don't feel bad. I'm just recovering <laughs> from the worst flu of my life. So maybe it's the the jet lag as we were, we, both of us were in Greece literally a week ago, and now we're back uh, here on the West Coast, which is a bit of a transition. Mm -hmm. But uh, so we decided that we're going to start off today by talking about AI. I'm a complete ignoramus in this particular area. So how would you explain what AI is and what AI does to someone who knows relatively little about it? Can you start us off? Uh, this is a really good question. So I was thinking about that over the last couple of days since I knew that would be the topic. And I kind of thought like, okay, so if artificial intelligence, that's like what robots and computers, they're trying, you're trying to get them to do, I don't know, to output things, data, um, so maybe work on their own. Uh, but then I wondered, okay, so if that's artificial intelligence, then like, what am I? Am I just like intelligence or like authentic intelligence? But then I thought you can't really do that because that's another AI. So, um, intelligence. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, I think of it as, yeah, you're trying to get machines to be um, independent to get them to do what you you want with, um, you know, little instruction or, I don't know. Well, that's a really good question. I wonder if there was like a whole internet here right in front of me where I could look it up. Uh, well, let me put it this way. A few questions that are very much on my mind. Is artificial intelligence really an appropriate term or is it a bit of a misnomer or an oxymoron? Because when, when we talk about intelligence, that implies certain things like consciousness, perception, volition. Can technology really be designed to replicate the things that we as human beings associate with intelligence, like perception, volition, conceptualization? Can you say a little bit about that? Well, like I hope so. That's the that's my hope. Um, but I think you're right. Like right now, it's not so much. Um, it's like a baby intelligence is how I, I think about it. So it, you're right. You can't think in, in conceptual terms, um, but yet it is powerful. Um, so maybe it's superficial intelligence or just starting out intelligence. And I hope it does get to the point where it is actually, you know, like thinking, maybe even feeling. I don't know how you would do that, but um, I just, I don't know. I think of the progression of, just even human beings or, or life on this planet, right? It goes from physical things, like you can just move in your environment. Machines started out that way too, like pretty physical machines. They need an operator. Um, and then we invent computers. So it's like, okay, now we can give them their own brain. Um, but yeah, there's something about it now where it's not, it's not independent at all. Um, and it certainly doesn't feel in the same way that a human would. But yeah, let's do it. Let's go there. I hope we do. I don't know. What do you think? 
Well, certainly computers can do things, a computer can do things that are different than what a human mind can do. Computers can do certain things more quickly. For example, certain types of calculations, searching through data or whatever. Mm. So there's certainly on the computer side, there's an advantage with respect to speed. But then what are what are the things that a human mind can do that a computer can't do? You mentioned, for example, emotions. Um, yeah, I mean. So we had this kind of issue in, in astronomy, right? Because we've got so much data and it's like, okay, what do you do with the data now that you have it all? You can't possibly process it all. Uh, and one of the things um, someone came up with was the galaxy, the galaxy zoo. And I think there's now a moon zoo as well. But the idea was, okay, we've got all these photographs of galaxies, like more than any like, per, like single person or even team of researchers could go through and categorize. And it turns out the, the computer is not very good at that, at taking visual information and identifying, okay, is this a spiral galaxy? Is it an irregular one? Um, so they sort of outsourced that to many, many people by putting up online, you could go through and, and categorize and it would sort of take the, the, I don't know, the accumulation of that and, and tell you what kind of a galaxy it probably was. Uh, so images were, are a problem or were a problem. I see that's getting better. Like I feed my face to the, to the machine, to the AI, um, because I like, I don't know, I like to make myself into, uh, whatever, a Viking princess or something, you know, with you, um, and the machine's gotten really good at, at, at least that of, you know, recognizing a face, where is the, the, what are the features of the face? Um, and then being able to to change them and and morph them or I guess I don't know integrate them with a an Im like a an image or or something like that so that's coming along um, but yeah it's a it's a big jump though from going going from okay computers can do stuff they can process data they can recognize images they can um, to like it's actual thinking. Um, independent thinking because you still need a you need a programmer you need an algorithm all that stuff one will actually be born i don't know so it sounds like you're saying that computers are getting better at recognizing images whether it's facial images is that something that can be applied to your work to, for example recognizing images of stars galaxies dude i hope so i, I think astronomy was the thing that drove the um it drove i don't know about the um, the invention of the computer definitely like photography was driven by astronomy because it's like we want to we want pictures of this processing images so there's a sense in which astronomy is the thing that's been um pushing forward that kind of technology so that would be awesome if it was you know if we could use um yeah curiosity about the universe to to invent artificial intelligence that would help us like to understand those things I would love that. I'm kind yeah. of out of the, the loop with astronomy, so I don't know. I hope they're using it. Can you give maybe one specific concrete example where AI has been indispensable in your work in astronomy and astrophysics? Mm. Where where it's it's done certain things that human beings wouldn't be able to do or wouldn't be able to do quickly and efficiently enough. Yeah, uh, certainly. Like searching through data is is something I can think of for sure. Um, that if you have a huge data set, it's what, you know, you used to go through those by, 
I mean, by hand more or less, and you're looking at a star chart and you're looking at the the sky again, maybe the next night, get real familiar with it. Um, but it's so much more powerful if you can just let the computer do that and search for you because it can process way more stuff than you can. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Nicholas. It's great to be with you. And, and Amanda, kind of apropos of what you were literally just saying, you know, I, I remember hearing Dr. Brooke talk about how I think within the field of oncology now, you have mm -hmm. computers which screen and look at thousands and thousands of scans. Whereas once you had to have a human being, now you can have a computer do exactly that uh, that process of looking at a scan, trying to evaluate, is there anything abnormal there? Uh, you know, reading these types of things. So a computer can do it much faster. So, you know, it's the, the irony of seeing so much a fear about, a, um, what is it called? Machine learning or artificial intelligence now? Tremendous fear. It's so reminiscent of, we weren't around back then, but like that whole Luddite movement, of, you know, new technology, it's gonna hurt us. and. You know, even like Terminator 2, what was that, like 30 years ago now? I mean, that fear of the, the computers are taking over. <laughs> I welcome our new computer overlords. They're going to make our lives so much easier. Just the fact that I'm, you know, seeing a couple of shrewd objectivists talking about how this artificial intelligence can code. I've never been able to code. I mean, even going back to HTML, I couldn't figure that out. So I'm delighted about AI, these new advancements, new technologies. And, you know, Rand said it herself in the Ayn Rand letter, the quote is, the quote I like is, nothing can raise a country's productivity except technology. And technology is the final product of a complex of sciences, including philosophy, each of them kept alive and moving by the achievements of a few independent minds. So this is happening in the West. It's not happening in, you know, collectivist third world parts of of the world. So um, I'm excited about it. And I think great things are gonna come from this, this artificial intelligence technology. Well, I'd like to pick up on something that you just said. Do you see any dangers of AI falling into the wrong hands, falling into the hands of totalitarian governments or other bad actors, You know, say um, Islamic jihadists or anything like that? Is there any, because technology, it's a tool. It's like, like any other kind of tool. Is there a danger of AI falling into the hands of bad actors who can use it for propaganda purposes, for the purposes of monitoring their citizens or anything like that? I mean, for me, and I'd love to hear Amanda's perspective on this too, I think the danger is those dictators, those evildoers, the technology, whether it was, you know, the, the um, you know, nuclear weapons, the, uh, nuclear technology falling into the hands of really bad people. So it's those evil philosophies, those evil actors that I fear, whatever the technology of the day is, they're gonna to try to use it, they're gonna to try to abuse it, they're gonna to try to inflict harm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't think the technology is the issue, I think it's those bad individuals, those bad actors and those bad philosophies that I worry about. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I guess I, I agree in that the real danger is that we focus on that, right? We focus on who can take this technology and use it for evil versus like, hey, check this out, let's play with it, make it awesome. Um, and use it for for good because that will always will always outshine the bad and and like you said they're always people are like evil people do evil things it doesn't matter like what they use to do it and I have to say I mean to that point I'm I'm a little fearful now I've already read that at least here in the states you've got legislators throwing out well we need to step in and legislate uh, uh, AI and you know remember when Facebook was trying to launch its crypto project more than a year ago. Before they even got it started, legislators were coming, well, we've got to keep an eye on this, we've got to regulate this. And so, you know, we always joke about the Wright brothers wouldn't have gotten 
you know, the kitty off the ground at Kitty Hawk had the government been uh, the way it was today. So to your point, Amanda, let this new technology bubble up. I mean, humans have reason, right? If we're, we're not, if it doesn't provide a value for us, we're not going to use it. Rational people won't use it. So uh, let let these incredible minds develop this technology to benefit us all. Well, I think, Jonathan, you've really gotten to the crux of the matter. When people are afraid of some new technology, the first response is always, we've got to get regulation, we've got to get government oversight. No, absolutely not. We, we need to, to rely on the free market, people, organizations interacting willingly in the long run to keep the technology safe, to keep it out of the hands of any would-be dictators or would-be uh, bad actors who may get a hold on it. Uh, by the way, before we continue, uh, Amanda, would you like to read the super chats we have so far? Uh, sure. In the chat. All right, we got Jason Adams. Matters pertaining to objectivists. I don't know what that is, but ten dollars. Thank you. Uh, we have Mary Aline. Oh yeah, hey Mary Aline, Amanda, and Nicholas. Great combination. I, I agree. Agree. It's like pretzels and peanut butter. Good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that just yeah. Uh, Enric Teller. Hi, Enric. Thanks, um, Enric. $9.99. He says, chips are still rocks. A rock with complex... Oh, chips, like computer chips. I thought you were talking about like tortilla chips. Okay. Uh, with complex pass gates, etc., but they lack the biological ability to change the environment and intent. As humans grow neurons towards intent, computers are still static. Um, yeah. Cool. Good point. And then Mary Elaine gave $2 once Jonathan showed up, because it's good to see you. Good to see you. And, and who's going to fix the computers, right? I mean, who is going to, someone has to service the computers, fix them, plug them in, um, take yeah. care of them. Um, I hope it's my brother, not me. It's all. What new opportunities can AI open up in terms of employment, in terms of people actually having jobs? What new fields will this create in the future? I have no idea. So I, I saw this BBC Futures from like the 60s once, and I can't remember the, the, who it was, um, but he was a scientist and he said, you know, people always ask me as a scientist, what will the future be like? And um, I loved his answer so much that like I use it myself now because he was saying, you know, people think about what you might do with it and you have this imagination, like people would imagine flying cars or I don't know, things like that. And and do they materialize? Is that how the future really is? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you guess right sometimes. Maybe you have some sort of insight that leads you to that conclusion. Um, but he ultimately said, all that I know about the future is that it's going to be wonderful. And <laughs> like, it's going to be amazing. Well, even think back, you know, Nicholas, to like our, our memories of the workplace in like the 60s and 70s. There was like just rooms and rooms full of files. Remember, just files everywhere. And people whose job it was every day to just move a piece of paper from this file to that file. That was their job. That's not particularly stimulating. You know, and nowadays, Dr. Binswanger has made this point, you know, you have like American Girl doll. You guys know what that is? Maybe in the UK, it's like fancy dolls. Amanda knows what that is. I do. And you can go get your doll to have an appointment with a real doctor who will fix your doll. So it's like, you can get a job now in America as a doctor for dolls as a fake doctor for kids dolls. I mean, it's only uh, available with this type of technology that can take over really mundane, tedious tasks. So, you know, whether it's, I mean, Nicholas, I'm kind of like Amanda. I don't know too much about AI, 
but technology, what it seems to do is free up tasks for human beings so that they can engage in new tasks, higher level tasks. Maybe it's, I mean, I can't imagine, maybe it's service, maybe it's you know, new types of, I don't know, but I'm excited to see what it becomes because it's always benefited us in the past. I think it's, for me, like, I don't even think about those kinds of things about what will, I don't know, the future of industry or what jobs will go away or, or come come forth because of the technology. It's more like, I'm only interested in playing with it, like 100%. It's very personal. It's like, I want, yeah, I want to feed my picture to the machine and see what comes out. I want to, like, I want to, you know, look at the chat, whatever the chat robot is and, and, you know, play with it a little bit, ask it, um, you know, what should I name this mythical island that I'm dreaming up in my head and see how it responds. Um, and, and you were talking before, Jonathan, about how people are afraid of the, the robots maybe taking over the world or something or how bad that could be in the future. Um, but I already love the robots. Like, I just think about my Spotify, right? So it it gets to know me, what I like to listen to, and then it suggests things like, you might like this. And it, it's like, wow, that's amazing. And it's so often right. Like, yeah, I do like that. And I would not have ever discovered that on my own. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know about jobs and industry and that kind of thing, but certainly for like personal pleasure, it's like, that's and actually, awesome. Just apropos of your point about Spotify, and I don't mean to monopolize Nicholas, but like, you know, I remember growing up when you went to the CD store, the record store, you had to thumb through and buy a whole CD just to get one song that you might've wanted. And now your Spotify is doing the thinking for you. You're basically paying nothing for all of that music. And not spending your Saturdays at, at a grimy mall, like, you know, thumbing through, you know, you're doing something else, you're bettering yourself. So it's, it's you know, is it Bastiato always talks about what's seen and what's unseen? So, you know, we don't see all that time wasted we used to wait because of these new technologies making our lives so much better. Absolutely. Is there anything else you want to say about AI or shall we move on to another topic? Well, I'll just jump in quickly. Marilyn says that she hates that bureaucrats who can't create anything immediately want to regulate whatever anyone else creates. Envy, maybe? It's, it's, uh, uh go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean, it's, it's so much. It's like a distrust of human reason. It's a uh, power lust, I think. Um, you know, it's, um, I don't know, Nicholas, what else do you think? There's so much to say about that that instinct of, and the public welcomes it. They welcome bureaucrats coming in and setting the rules, laying down the rules for technologies they don't even know shit about. Yeah, it's probably a combination of fear, apathy on the part of the public. They just want to be taken taken care of by the politicians. Uh, Ashley, the politicians are only too happy to comply. Ashley Shrug says, technology enhances human life and we should let it. You know, there's there's so much of that fear with it. And there's something new comes in and jobs will be lost. Don Watkins has a great line I love. He says, uh, a society is judged, I believe a society is judged by how many jobs are destroyed. They're destroyed, right? Because jobs are being destroyed because techn technology is coming in and new jobs are being created. You know I mean? There was no web designer. There was no video game designers at all 20 years ago. Now thousands and thousands of people work in these industries. So to your point, Amanda, it's like, we can't even imagine what it's gonna be. I mean, you know, the idea, 
pre-Uber that like anyone could have a job as a driver, personal driver, anytime, day or night, whenever they wanted. If there's, you couldn't have imagined this stuff. So um, to Ashley's point, like let this new technology soar and our lives will only benefit as a result. Yeah, because I don't know what to expect. I can hope for things. Like I, I hope for a future where we can like invent like robots and androids and all sorts of things like that. I, I looked up, I've got some notes here on my phone that I, I put down before we started. Um, I, I have this book about Benjamin Franklin that I like a lot. And it says in there, um, as this quote, it's actually from his uncle who lived with him. And when Benjamin Franklin was a toddler and they kind of noticed that there was something pretty remarkable, remarkable about him, even though he was a small child. And his, his uncle wrote like, of this little boy, like so full of potential. It's, it's if the buds are so precious, what may what may we expect when the fruit is ripe? And that is what I'm most excited about about artificial intelligence because already, like, it's insane. You can you can feed it, <laughs> you can make it write essays for you, and make it I don't know, just beautiful oh, images, I, all sorts of things. I even remember like the early days of the internet, like 2000 three and four rolled around and I was like, well, you know, this is it. Like, what else can they possibly come up with? You know, and like, even on the platform of the internet, as we know, it's like such new technologies and advancements, right? Like you used to have the World's Fair every year, every five years. Now it's like every couple of weeks, there's a new World's Fair of new advancements that, you know, we can't even imagine. Nicholas, and they've, they've um, tried to, uh, people like like I said they're playing with this with this new technology and they fed it music you know like someone told me they fed it Chopin and like asked it to create a Chopin piece to see if and then like test people could you tell the difference between um you know the real Chopin and this sort of computer generated Chopin have you heard of any of that like you could use it for I've music heard, that would be I've fun. heard that being done I'm pretty confident I could tell the difference but I don't know maybe somebody <laughs> should test me one of these days <laughs> I, I'm skeptical about computers being able to accomplish creative tasks, things like writing a novel, composing a symphony. Um, yeah, not yet. Or, but, but I think they can provide the seeds of things, like you know, a place to start. Um, by you, you know, you feed it, and then you get some sort of a you know a draft or an idea from the machine, um, and you can take that and and run with it. But yeah, you're right. Like I've tried to get it to like fed it my poetry and like tried to get it to, <laughs> to like write the next stanza. And it's yeah. well, you know, I have to say, to, you know, oh please, please. I was just going to say I have heard of computers being used to write music for video games and movies. And I've actually heard some samples, and it, it sounds like a reasonable facsimile of the kind of music that does accompany video games and does accompany some kinds of movies. But it's it's generally very generic, formulaic type of music. It's not you know, you know that type of music that you would associate with Schubert, Chopin, Liszt, or composers like that. But it's mm -hmm. it's it's functional music. It's music that serves a very specific sort of purpose. I went to this place in Denver called Meow Wolf, and they have this room where, uh, I don't know, it's just like a ballroom, but there's nothing in it. Um, and there's images on, on the wall that change and morph. And there's AI generated music that, um, and it was the most mesmerizing thing that I've seen in a long time. Like I could have spent days in that room just listening and and interacting with the with the computer, so it was fun. I have to say one thing, you know, Nicholas, you asked kind of fear. One thing I am actually fearful about is that 
I always found, and I believe somewhere even in the objectivist kind of uh, uh, liter literature, there's about this, a connection with thinking and writing. And the idea that you can sit down to this thing and say, give me 1200 words about why, you know, basically any topic and it will spit it out. I am concerned that young people in particular aren't gonna have that experience of having to sit down, focus and write out by themselves and organize their thoughts, topic sentence, proof, proof, conclusion. You know, if that process I think is, is eliminated in the learning process, I, I, I would be a little bit concerned about that because I think there is that connection between thinking, writing independently. So maybe there'll be more tests that'll have to be done like, right at your seat without a computer. But um, you know, that's I think one fear in terms of learning, a part of learning and educating and communicating and things to be able to sit down, organize your own thoughts and write them out in an appropriate manner. What do you, what do you guys think? Well, that's re really up to parents and educators to make sure that children are not taking shortcuts. They're not just learning or having computers write their essays for them. They're, they still are learning the same basic skills reading, writing, arithmetic, learning the same core subjects? Um, maybe. I say maybe to that because it's like a tool like anything else. And so you want to, the big deal is to teach the, teach people how to use the tool effectively. So whether that's a, like a, a slide rule, a calculator, the, the robot chat, I don't know. It seems like it could be like an effective yeah, just part of what you, you do. When you were in like fourth grade or whatever age you're using arithmetic, did you, they didn't let you bring a calculator into fifth grade, fourth grade? Uh, no, but nor, nor did I need I one, but yeah. Well, Jason Adams, really generous says, his conversations with AI should be treated like attorney client privilege that could be regulated. Good point. One to Wait, think about. What, what do you should be right should be treated i don't get it what are you telling the machine jason I, well i've asked it a few saucy questions and it's it, <laughs> believe it it's it's barked back a little bit so um it has some <laughs> sense um well should we should we uh call it a uh, what do they say a full lid guys i think we've uh explored this topic really really well it's something that still emerging, early emerging, um, but I think among, you know, we're among probably the few groups and the few individuals who aren't so scared about it. When we see good things from technology, the future, this is um, men's great minds. I mean, this doesn't happen in societies without, you know, freedom, individual rights, and to see it happening here, I'm, I welcome it. I think we all do on some level. Yeah, I would yeah. like to say that message to uh, to everyone, anyone who happens to be listening that is, that's on the forefront of inventing this stuff, like do it, please go and do it faster because I want, I, I want more of it before I die. So like, don't hold back, keep going. And uh, if you need someone to play with it, that's me, please. Yeah. Let me. Um, so Nick, I see there are no, sorry, Jonathan, you were going to say. You wanna, please uh, wrap us up, bring us out, any final words? Yeah, I see that there are no upcoming shows. So with that, uh, any final words from either of you, Amanda, Jonathan? Just a no, big just good to, to see our, you, Nicholas. Yeah, and a big thanks to our listeners, our subscribers, your, and our super chatters. You guys keep us on the air Monday through Friday with, you know, interesting perspectives, great guests, and all, all of our philosophy posse. So thanks to all who help keep, keep, keep the lights on. Yeah, thank you all very much. We'll be back for another episode of The Daily Objective tomorrow. And until then, good premises. Thank you all very much. Later. Just quickly, we have one more super chat. Oh, oh okay. I'm putting it in the chat.
adherent of Lady Columbia. $5 stream idea for Jonathan, who has now disappeared into the stream. Why is hedge fund management and asset management like Vanguard and BlackRock so entrenched with ESG since it funds so much? Um, wow. I don't know. Marialene, $3. Thank you for your question. So for that question, tomorrow is going to be a Jonathan episode, and I'll save the Super Chat and let him know then. All right. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thank you all very much.